0: I think there is a slight Catholic guilt installed inside (laughs) me that I just have to work. And if I'm not providing, I'm doing bad.
1: That's Adam Husler with a live audience on the Yoga Life podcast. Hello and welcome to this special edition of the yoga life podcast with a live and alive studio audience before i get into that and give you the the run-up and how it all went down uh, let me tell you about do a little housekeeping tell you about the next event i have my retreat with elisa is sold out as you know and the next event i have which is half full is Heels Overhead, the handstand workshop at Yoga Hub in Camden Court. So that is on May 25th, Saturday, 1pm. If you go onto my my website, kevinboyoga.ie forward slash events, is it a dash or a little hyphen thing, retreats, you'll be able to see it there. And just fill in a tiny little form, send it to me and I'll get you sorted with your booking. So this was a special event. And I was nervous. Oh, my God. Um, I didn't sleep well the night before. Long story, personal stuff. Um, and I, not a big deal, but anyway, I didn't sleep well the night before. And do you ever wake up in the morning and you think, oh, my God, I, I, I'm I, struggling here. This is going to be a tough day just because you just have to haven't slept. But um, you got to suck up. you got to, you know, pay, put your best foot forward. So that Sunday, which was just one just gone, April 7th, We had eight hours with Adam, Adam Husler doing our teacher training. And then after that, we had the podcast with the audience. I wasn't expecting many people to show up because I advertised it. I had seven people um, drop out at the last minute, which is understandable on a Sunday evening. So I was expecting maybe five people, 20 people showed up, uh, brought friends, and um, some people were dressed up really nice as well. So I was a bit... You see, let me let me kind of break it down for you. down. When I'm talking to somebody in a podcast, I'm already a bit nervous because... And they're a little bit nervous, maybe a bit on edge sometimes. And I'm looking at their face because I'm trying to gauge in real time where they want to take the conversation. If I've maybe touched on something that they're not comfortable talking about. So I have all of that going on. I'm speaking while looking at them, trying to gauge where I want to take this. Um, and then at the same time, next to me, I have people observing and I want to make sure they feel engaged and they're enjoying it as well. And, and, and I'm taking the podcast in an interesting direction. So I felt quite overwhelmed and I barely kept my shit together. You can you'll probably tell by listening to the when you listen to this Um <laughs> my questions, my questions were decent, but I didn't cover, I made loads of notes, didn't look at my notes once. Um, it's just, that's, that's the way it goes. But um, I'm definitely going to do more of these because it's it, it's a chance to actually get people together, an actual real life community. And the next time I do it, I'm going to be serving tea, coffee, uh, make sure that uh, we do proper, we had a Q&A this time, but I'm going to go around a bit like Kilroy, that's an, he used to be an old school chat show host go into the audience with my mic and actually get people uh, on the uh, get their voices on the podcast so yeah but this was it was a great buzz i mean that that's what these things are about aren't they social media podcasting should be an avenue to get people together in real life and uh, not as a replacement for real life get-togethers so I really hope you enjoy this. It's uh, I put a lot of effort into it and I really appreciate Adam's uh, openness and he was he was a perfect guest to have on for the, for the first one of these because he can just talk. He doesn't need to be um led uh, which is fantastic. So yes, I hope you enjoy that. Before I get going, let me uh, share some messages with you. If you're a fan of wearing clothes and uh, you, you realize that general public nakedness is pretty, usually frowned upon, and you happen to be a man, or you know a man, then you can visit OM. OM.com. OM provide men's clothing that want to encourage more fellas to get on the mat. And yoga is reflected in everything they do, from being kind to the environment using their sustainable recycled fabrics, to recycling their paper packaging and their focus on men's health. To avail of a 15% discount, go to om.com forward slash hashtag T-Y-L-P. So that's om.com forward slash hashtag T-Y-L-P, which stands for the Yoga Life Podcast. I mean, who's got time to write the Yoga Life Podcast? Um, And you can use a a cool acronym like that. When you get, go visit that URL, which will be in the show notes. Pick which items you want to kit yourself out in or to kit your man out in. And then when you get to checkout, just type in the promo code Kevin for that 15% off. Boom. If you're stuck on your sequencing or you draw a blank when you're standing at the top of your mat, why not get your sequencing game up to speed by purchasing some 108 Asana Yoga sequencing cards by Yogaroo? They have everything you need to know for your sequencing needs, including alignment cues, level guides, anatomy coding, and Sanskrit and English names. Go to yoguru.ie, use the promo code Kevin for 10% discount. So that's yogaroo.ie, promo code Kevin, K-E-V-I-N, my name, for a special 10% discount. I'm getting good at these reads. Let's <laughs> So, lastly, if you would like to support the podcast directly, simply go to kevinboyoga.ie forward slash support the Yoga Life podcast and follow the steps to become a patron. Thank you. Cool. Um, let's start then. Yeah? Yeah, okay. I'm waiting for you. Yeah, uh, yeah all right. <laughs> um, so, to give you guys the format, um, I'll speak to Adam for probably about 45 minutes and then we'll do a Q&A and uh, Yeah. That's that's what we're gonna do. So thanks so much for coming. <laughs>
0: there really are people here.
1: <laughs>
0: How are you? I'm um, awesome. Long day. I've been teaching an eight-hour training today, and I taught yesterday what two classes in London and a workshop in Dublin. So I'm flagging slightly, but right. at least I'm gonna teach again till ten o'clock in the morning. So oh, we, yeah. we're good. <laughs>
1: Um I'm actually gonna start with quite a deep question. I know. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, because um you do you do teach a lot. You do work hard. Yeah. I, was, I was chatting to we were going for lunch there and I was chatting and saying that it's when you're teaching so many classes, I find personally, it's quite difficult to keep that enthusiasm all the time. So my, my question to you is my first question is what what drives you?
0: Okay, so let's on, let's talk first about the level of enthusiasm you need to give when you teach. <laughs> which is an odd okay an odd thing to say my view is that it depends completely on personality type like if you're the kind of person that's very let's say caring and wants to look after all of your students at all times and wants to know everyone's name uh and and gives a lot of yourself to class then I, you couldn't teach as many classes as i do mm. That's not to say i don't care about my students i do obviously but my style of teaching is quite anatomical it's fairly focused it's very clear it's very concise and I'm not giving overtly of myself and equally my personality type my bias can can do this like I've always pushed myself hard in 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 the sense of time and energy like I trained uh, as a lawyer went went to a law school didn't actually ever become a lawyer then worked for like non-profits for a few years, mainly with young people from bad backgrounds, mm. which was very intense and like taking them away in residentials. So I've always been the kind of person that kind of works very hard. And I think tied in with it slightly is I'm I'm actually Irish as well as English. Mm-hmm. I have a passport and everything. Oh yeah. But, oh, <laughs> no right. but I uh I think there is a slight Catholic guilt installed inside <laughs> me <laughs> that I just have to work. And if I'm not providing I'm doing bad and that's not a good or bad thing but either way i don't really get exhausted particularly like, i don't think particularly anything of teaching in london two classes in the morning flying teaching another one teaching it whole day today mm. like, it doesn't affect me in a negative way mm. uh i'm lucky in that regard uh i'm not saying it's a good or bad thing but i can survive it as mm. it were without much stress and i don't think other people always can uh and maybe that's that's a good thing for them, mm-hmm. <laughs> that they don't need to teach so much or aren't uh, compelled to teach so much.
1: Mm. I think there's a lot of. Oh, I'm one of them anyway. I think there are many other people in the room that are here, that see someone like you and they see you travelling around, teaching retreats, teaching workshops, uh, teaching as many classes as you'd like to teach, and that's the the end goal. But they don't see. Uh, for some people here, mm. I mean, including me, like I want to be so busy that I can afford to pick and choose. Where and when I want to teach. Indeed. But um, I think you see the finished product, which maybe be yourself. I am the we, finished product. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> humble. <laughs> uh, and uh, and but we don't see what it was like at the start. So I'm interested. What were you like right, you, when you first started? You don't see what it's still like. You see Instagram. You yeah. See good point. All
0: the all the cool stuff. Uh, like when I started, I never intended to be a full time yoga teacher. That wasn't the plan. I did yoga because I'd done it for years and I did the training solely because I was interested and thought I wanted to enhance my knowledge. Then on the side, I got invited to teach some classes, but I still had a full-time job managing like 40 staff. But then suddenly I was managing that job, managing those people and teaching 10 classes a week. And I never, even then I didn't intend to be a full-time teacher, but it, uh, it just kind of developed and I left that job for other reasons and, and more and more came about. But I've always taught a lot. For me, I think there's so many ways to have a career in yoga. Actually, I don't think the way I do it is sustainable for many people, uh, for many reasons. I, I see friends that just teach privates and earn a lot of money teaching privates and probably earn as much as I do, but teach maybe three hours a day. Mm. And that's it. Three hours a day on their terms, have then a nice social life, of lots of time with their partners, et cetera. I know people that actually they've got no amb- ambition to be a known teacher per se, they're fine teaching in their area of London, teaching in three different studios, earning a good living, popular, like, you know, a relatively good amount of money. That's perfect. And they'll do that for a long time. Uh, my aim is to be a, like a respected teacher and I enjoy teaching teachers. Mm. So I wanna make sure I can do that in the same way my teacher does it, in, you know, in different countries, intensive settings but teaching teachers. You've to Jason kindle Yeah, Jason's like kind of my main my main teacher. Yeah. Like I I like that style of teaching. Mm. Uh and it's certainly not for everyone. The reason I t- so I teach typically 17 classes a week, which is a, a lot in itself. Then probably 70% of weekends I'm somewhere else teaching. Often after my Saturday morning classes. So last weekend I was in Bulgaria, the weekend before Belfast. Next weekend and I'm in Vienna, and I'm in Spain the next weekend. Uh, and it's all quite intense. Like, it sounds like I'm living a, a very jet setting lifestyle. But like I've seen none of Dublin this weekend. <laughs> you know, I've, I've landed, came here, went straight to the B&B, went to the nearest supermarket, grabbed some food, went to bed, uh, woke up, walked here, taught all day, doing this now, jumping straight back on a plane, getting back at home at like 12 o'clock at night, and then teaching ten thirty in the morning. Yeah. There is no kind of, not, not, it's not like pity me, but there is no, wow, jet-setting lifestyle. This is cool. Uh, because I have obligations back at home and I, I want to be loyal to my regular students and not go off for weeks at a time or constantly leave Friday night, have a long weekend away. And I could legitimately do that, but I don't think it's fair. Hmm. And I quite like my regular classes because for me, they're, they're my base. They're, they're what allows me to be a good teacher. By teaching 17 classes a week, mainly in kind of a a world leading studio where I'm open to criticism potentially at all times, and actually two thirds of the people that come to my class are teachers, that helps me become a better teacher. It's that that allows me to be good. If I just taught workshops every weekend, Mm -hmm. there's no room for much improvement, Mm -hmm. particularly. I'm not seeing bodies. It's, uh, and, and so the route I'm going down is teaching a lot, publicly than teaching a lot of workshops, teaching trainings when I can. The retreats, I teach three or four times a year. And it's kind of, it's pretty, it's pretty full on, but it's allowing me to both build reputation, but actually build skill as well. Because I think just building reputation, not reputation, but building how well known my name is, isn't good in itself. Mm. Like so, it, social media is a wonderful tool and you can get very famous on social media without actually even having a qualification as a teacher. But it it is a useful tool. Let's not Mm. say it's bad, but it's just one part of the one part of the jigsaw. It's one
1: part of the toolkit. Why do you enjoy teaching teachers specifically? Uh,
0: Because they listen to me. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I enjoy teaching teachers more so because I my background is quite academic. You know, I kind of went to like a uh, a decent school uh, where you know everyone went to Oxford or Cambridge. or did law or medicine. I did the law route. So like an analytical way of thinking resonates with me. So I I like to work out why. Why am I doing this? What is this pose meant to be doing? What's the rationale behind this pose? Mm. Uh, and and so in doing that, I'm not gonna do that with a beginner at yoga. Because mm. what a beginner really needs is just, this is the architecture generally of warrior two. This is now reverse warrior. And I, I you know I'm fine teaching beginners, but I would much rather work with people that want to get into the nuances uh, of asana. Uh, and yoga
1: rather than uh, from the baseline. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, as you said, you studied law before. You have an analytical mindset, mm. so you can you like being technical and, and teachers. Uh, like and why? It. Yeah, why yeah. is a bigger thing for me? Why mm. are we doing
0: this? Mm-hmm. Why are we doing it in that way? What's the rationale? Is it just because granddad said it,
1: or is it just because this is yoga law, or yoga tradition? Actually, why is this pose good in that way? Actually, talking, I want to talk about uh, yoga law because. I was recently teaching at a studio. I don't know how much I can say anymore because I got into a lot of trouble basically uh, making a reference in a podcast that I made. Um oh so but all I'll say is I've taught <laughs> I taught in another stu- <laughs> yoga, <laughs> um, I, I taught in another studio. What's that? Not yoga. Um I taught in another studio and um I forgot my question. <laughs> uh, my question was um yes yoga law yeah so so i thought okay i want to physically assist people because it shows like if i go up to somebody and physically assist them i look like i'm in control of the room yeah. I, I i'm 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 not afraid to like put my hands on someone do it in a confident way and then <laughs> i got ha- a lot of people into trouble like that like- <laughs> <laughs> so so then you have your approach which you uh, which is don't touch anyone <laughs> not, it's not quite, <laughs> not, quite. <laughs> it's not quite it's not quite that bad. bad um but um but this has made me rethink. Like, why do we do certain things? What is and just because someone did it a you know, hundred years ago, does it make it right now? Like so, slavery. So, so what? <laughs> no, but like, yeah, we laugh. But I being serious. I'm like, we we pick and choose.
0: Like, oh, the Mayan the Mayans had great great medicine, but the human sacrifice bit of yeah yeah, yeah. we don't want that. We mm-hmm. pick and choose tradition and all. Oh, well, that's good. We smoked We smoked a hundred years ago. There was slavery, and we we. Well, yeah, I don't. I don't like the fact that we look back in time and say, "Oh, well, that's tradition." Mm-hmm. There are so many bad traditions that we've got rid of for good reason. Mm-hmm. So I think we should always be asking why, 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 why? not just because dogma. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what? Kevin, I mean, so okay.
1: No, I was going to say, what is yoga law? As, how would you define that? <laughs> so it's 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 kind of a loose term. What I mean when I say
0: yoga law is this is the way we do things. Don't question it. In downward dog, we do this. End of story we have to do uh shoulder stand at the end of class. Shoulder stand is good for you because it does this. Mm. Uh, I, I don't really like that okay. just because granddad said it like, you know, like yoga, yoga asana, let's say the Ashtanga system or the Engar system, it's not that old. It's old, but it's not that old. And a lot of the postures were created in you know, 80 years ago, let's say, or variations of, and there's, you know, there's a little bit more to it than that. Uh, And yoga is wonderful. The yoga tradition is wonderful in in a sense, in the the spiritual tradition. But when asanas were formed, it was based on an understanding of the body at that time. We now understand the body more. Like We now have MRI machines Hmm. to add to our our wisdom. Uh, So that's not to take anything away from yoga history, but I think we should always be looking at things with the information that we have, Hmm. like smoking. We now know smoking is bad for you because we've researched it. And we've stopped doing it so much, at least. Mm-hmm. So I think we always need to look at things with, with fresh eyes. And like the whole adjusting thing and the touching, now I'm not against adjustments per se. I think adjustments sometimes are one of the comfort blankets that teachers use to kind of shield themselves. I think One is music, one is adjusting all the time, and one is actually practicing while teaching and having a mat in the front of the room actually doing it. I think they're, they're common comfort blankets. Mm-hmm. And my view is that everyone's body is so different. I've been doing some work recently with uh, Tom Myers, mm. who does uh, kind of myofascia stuff, etc., and body reading. He's, he's a won, won, wonderful man. Okay, the anatomy train system he's created, uh, and just working with him, like we're doing a training with him, and we're all kind of semi naked, looking at bodies and differences in bodies, uh, etc. And there's just there's just so much going on in everyone's bodies that we can't really appreciate. Mm. So who am I to say I know what you should look like in this pose? I'm going to use my strength and put you into that shape. No, I don't like that. I would much rather someone build their own strength, build their own movement, so that they can explore the pose on their own terms as part of this practice of self-inquiry. Mm-hmm. They can build strengths where they need it, they can open up where they need it, and they can explore the pose themselves. Like, I'm all for giving slight directional feedback, like, you know, a little bit of adjustments in downward dog, et cetera, but me using my force on them, I don't think is, is particularly good for them, or, ne- or needed, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, if someone wants physical therapy, go and get a Thai yoga massage or massage. But and equally, I think the whole touch thing, I think actually people haven't really consented to that. I can choose how, I can choose my intention when I touch someone is always there, but I can't choose how it's perceived. Mm. I think I said this in the last podcast, I can't choose how it's perceived. Uh, I don't know what's happened in someone's past, so far better to not go to that terrain and just give them a space where they can just have a practice mm-hmm. without me
1: getting involved. Mm. With my lavender spray, stick <laughs> yeah. out behind them. Um, you, you know, when I did my 300 hour last year, I was sub- shocked at the amount of people that were resistant to social media. On the 300 hour, they would say, um, "I'm really struggling to get workshops, to get classes, to get." You know, but and uh, they would normally correspond or correlate to them not using, wanting to use social media, yeah. or letting, or being afraid of it. Um, or maybe not even just not understanding it. Um, but And you're quite prolific on social media and you do it in quite, a, 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 I think, a tasteful way. Mm. I mean, I know personally speaking, when I decided to be a yoga teacher, I looked at other male yoga teachers like Dylan Werner with covered in tattoos, suntans, doing one hand handstands on a beach. And I thought, I live in Dublin. <laughs> My plank is pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought, I don't want to be whipping off my shirt and showing my pasty skin all the time, you know? And uh, so then, but then I, then I seen yourself and, uh, um, you know, other UK based teachers, and I thought, oh, this can be done in more like an, an urban way and uh, mm. more in a bit tongue in cheek. Like, I'm not the kind of person that can, I don't have wisdom to drop every day, going, okay? live every day like it's your last. I, I have I'm not that, sometimes I don't have anything. Necessarily helpful to say, and You'd then I to buy a, a quote book by Rumi. <laughs> Just like copy and paste. Yes. Um, so um, my point is, like, I, I seen yourself and a couple of the, um, like uh, Michael J. Wong as well, and seen what they were doing on social media and realised how it can be used to um, in a, a constructive way. And mm. you can get. I mean, since I started using social media regularly, it's made a massive difference to my. Uh, success as a, as a yoga teacher uh, my question to you is do you uh, well firstly what's your views on social media as to use as, as a yoga teacher yeah is there a second part yeah and, and secondly is how do you maintain your mental health because i find myself get i know ahead, yeah. sorry mate I know tonics yeah, no. I, know, I, know, I know this is a big one, the things, I, I've been so careful about what I say on social media, like I don't want to seem like I want people to feel sorry for me, but I, I do find myself developing this kind of um, dull undercurrent of slight anxiety and um, that I never had, I don't think I had before.
0: In what way? In the, in the it, way that people view you?
1: In the, way that, in the way that I'm always like, I better post on my phone, I should share this moment on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is a wasted moment if I don't share. Uh, okay. And, yeah. And, and I, I find myself. I used to. I said to my missus, like, no bedroom, no bedroom, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, phone in the bedroom at all. And now I have the phone in the bedroom. It's the first thing I look on at the mm-hmm. morning. And I'm conscious about my own mental health. And I'm, I'm curious as to your view on social media yeah. and how you maintain mental Your health sanity. I think right <laughs> for me
0: social media is just a tool that's all it is it's a tool it's part it's part of the package 10 years ago we were doing leaflets okay and just like you can use social media badly and I like put like naked photos of yourself on doing weird poses I could have put that on a leaflet five years ago every tool can be used badly I think ultimately mm. uh so I think there's nothing wrong with the tool if you don't like the tool don't use it but don't moan that other people are using it at all. Like they're often either the people that sometimes moaning are the people that <laughs> often aren't working hard anyway, aren't teaching many classes, don't do any flyering, don't do anything to get their name out. Nothing. But they just expect workshops to appear. That's not, 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 not the real world, is it? Mm-hmm. You, you need people to find out about you. Mm-hmm. You don't need to use social media. Like one of my friends, Adam Hock, does, he's on Facebook, barely. Uh, he has no Instagram. He's come here. He's a great teacher. He has a good newsletter. He spends time recording like podcasts and recording his classes and sharing that. There's other ways to do it. Uh, but social media is just, is just one way. And I've always used it. And I don't think social media makes you a good teacher. You can be prolific on social media and be a bad teacher. You know, I know some people that have like the most incredible practice because they're an ex-gymnast. They're good-looking, like, and to look at them, they're like an international teacher. Actually, they assist in a studio, and their international teaching is teaching a retreat once. But if you look at their social media, it's an international yoga teacher. <laughs> uh, so you can use it badly, but I think it's up to students and studios to look into, like, to look into the people. I don't think anyone's ever booked me thinking, oh. He looks good in that pose. He'll do him an amazing three workshops for us. I think we're like, okay, captured attention. Who is he? Okay. Looking down his feed, I can see he's about a little bit. I can see he's teaching some big events. Click on the link. Oh his website. What's his background? What's his training? Where did he teach? Oh, he teaches tri yoga. That's a really respected studio. He can't be that bad a teacher. Mm-hmm. And I think studios read into it. And I think, you know, students read into it. Mm-hmm. But just putting yourself out there in, in in a way that has integrity is not a bad
1: thing. But you you use it as an extension for teaching because I know some of your posts will be where they refer to alignment or anatomy Mm. or something like this. Instead of it just being a tool to simply capture, you're not doing it just to get attention. You're actually doing it to extend. Because someone said to me uh, yesterday, actually, that how you, after the... Workshop, they're yeah. Like, oh, how Adam is in real life is exactly how he is on social media. Perfect. That's good. That's good marketing then. <laughs> awesome. Uh, uh, Vicky said that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I thought that's that's it. That's it, isn't it? Because if I seen someone um, who was like over sexualizing themselves, yeah, I'm not you know, uh, male or female, and then I I don't think that'd make me think. Okay, I'm going to go to their teacher training no. because they stick their bum in the air or whatever. Occasionally, that, I mean, no, okay, that's never <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Dig upwards. Um, but but for you, for example, it could be like having your shirt off, not having your shirt off. It's like, what, what's, what are you trying to... So well,
0: for me, it's, I want people to see my social media and, I, and want to come to my class or a retreat with me mm. uh, or come to a training with me. Mm. One reason is because that's what I enjoy and that's what I do. I'm a yoga teacher. Part of it is financial. I want I want to be successful and that means I need people to come to the things that I do in exchange for money. So <laughs> so, so part, part of it is that as well. But that's what I want. I'm not trying to be famous. I'm not trying to get sponsorship deals. But occasionally if someone says to me, oh, would you like some uh, vitamins and we'll pay you to do a photo with them? I'm like, well, I take vitamins anyway. So why not? Mm-hmm. But if someone says to me, would you like these new leggings that we've created that are colorful and will give you some money? I'm like, no, because I don't wear them. It's irrelevant to me. yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, so, so you can monetize it slightly, but I try and monetize it if ever in a way that actually legitimately things that are part of my life. In terms of how I share my life on social media, I'm awful at taking photos as in, I don't want to be going to every class and every workshop being like, let's quick, quick photo guys, Group photo. Here's me doing this. Here's me doing that. Do a quick po. I, I couldn't do it. It would stress me out. Uh, so when I take all, almost all the photos on my social media are photo shoots hmm. where I've either paid a photographer to be with me for like three hours and just kind of walked down a flat or, or like it's been actually a photo shoot for a band of some kind, or it's been someone in an event taking photos of me. And I just put them on a Dropbox and I just pluck them out in random orders. Mm. But very rarely is it that I've stopped someone at some point in normal life and said, please take a photo of me. <laughs> part, of, part of it is because of the quality of the photo. And part of it is just, I don't I don't want that to be
1: part of my life. Yeah, not every single day. Like I've taken yeah. no photos
0: while I've been here. Yeah. Particularly, I did an Instagram story, mm. but I've taken no photos of like, oh, quick take i I've done none of that. You, I, I couldn't live a life like that. It, you, would, it would stress me out. You bank yeah. them up. You have them in banks. So you have Yeah, this yes, is, it's yes. all on Dropbox. And even yeah. actually when I go to the most important, like amazing locations, I just forget. Mm. It's just not on my radar. My yeah. focus is just teaching and eating. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> they're, they're, the two, they're like top of my priority list. And like photos just come. And actually I always, even now, like in my bags there's a GoPro mm. and a camera mm. that I tell myself I might use, but mm-hmm. never mm. like the camera. For about a year, it was just some elaborate hipster necklace that I wore. <laughs> and it's never got turned on. It was just this retro cool looking like Fuji that was just around my neck. But yeah, so that's, that's how I let it interact with my life. Mm-hmm. I don't let it get into my life. Mm-hmm. Like very rarely will you see actually on social media a photo of me living a normal life. Like it's not a day-to-day diary. Mm-hmm. Stories are a bit different. But even then, I can't be like, here's me doing this. I just That stresses me out. Mm-hmm. It's more... Yeah, it's it's more like sharing stuff that's coming up in my life rather than unless it's a particular event where I can do a few very easily of me in this amazing location, mm. and then I might do a few. But the idea of just living through my phone is horrific to me, mm. and I think it's 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 it comes down to I think where you find happiness and satisfaction, intrinsic or extrinsic, like whether you're finding it from the things you do, which would be intrinsic, like the teaching yoga or. Other, th- other things like playing my little drum thing that I've got or taking photos. That's kind of for me that intrinsic happiness is finding joy from the things that you do. So you're kind of in control of your happiness. It's extremely trying to find happiness from extrinsic values is me saying, I'm going to play my drum, but while I film it, because I want you to be approving of me playing my drum. And I think that's where a lot of us go wrong. And I like, you know, the people that film their yoga practice, yoga practice, you can't. Anyone on the podcast can't see me. I'm doing the little finger thing. <laughs> <laughs> like bunny ears. Bunny ears. Is. Is, that film their yoga practice. I can't understand why. Mm-hmm. Like I really can't understand why you'd film your yoga practice. Because all I'd be doing if I was filming my yoga practice is thinking, where's the camera? Where is it? And it's just doing the right pose. Or I fell out of that. Oh shit! Maybe should I do it again. Or I finished my practice now. Rather than being peaceful, let's just check the footage. It completely takes you away from the practice. I just wonder why. Mm. What like what what does any anyone get from seeing like a fast forwarded version of your yoga practice every day i i really don't understand that and i can't see any value in that and for me that's just you're ending up in a situation where you're finding your happiness via external approval mm. or what you think people will be thinking of you and that's not a way to live a life and that will fade yeah
1: and if you've spent 20 years doing that you're going to end up very unhappy um on this stage, since down on this topic. I've experienced my first. Um, I don't know what you'd call it. Maybe trolling. People are trolling oh. me. Oh. Yeah, quite heavily actually. Mm. In the last few days. Um, in what way? What they're Calling me a su- some white supremacist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That so, was uh, that was me. Uh, uh, <laughs> I thought it was just banter. <laughs> right. So, uh, I did a podcast last week with this chap who said um, something that's quite offensive. What did he say? Shall I say it? Yeah. He goes, oh, fuck, I'm going to get in trouble again for it. He goes, um, um, okay, this is quoting him. So okay. Doing the bunny ears is, whatever. Yeah. Um, he said, if I wanted to, I'd get a fucking arm tattooed on my nutsack and no one would stop me. Why is
0: that offensive? That's weird.
1: Why is that Okay. Right, I, I, it's I, weird and <laughs> painful. <laughs> I, and, and then... And then if they didn't like it, fuck them. And I I said, okay, so um, (laughs) where did I go from there? Um, So so when he said that, I I thought, do I cut it out or leave it in? So I left it in. Yeah. Left it in. And uh, people are messaging me going, uh, this guy, me, has created a platform for typical... It was like, why um, thin, privileged, like... um, yeah, all, all basically saying we were like Nazis, and, and and I didn't, I didn't. Just in my first time, actually, people were saying stuff like that to me, I've never experienced that before. Yeah, I believe they're called social justice warriors, SJWs, and um, so I just ignored it. And um, and I'm wondering, like, I I didn't know what to do. Do I reply? And do I not social reply? Social justice
0: warriors, is idiots. Do you,
1: I don't know if you know this, but on in, Instagram, if someone comments on your picture. Mm you should comment back within, I think it's two hours or something to keep your algorithm. I don't think that's the case anymore. It's not the case. I don't think right? okay. the case. it used to be that. <laughs> so, so um, but my question to you is, hashtag ad, doing your adverts. Yeah. And you, you're not looking for that, but people have approached you, it's product you, you already use. Yeah. Have you received any black, backlash on that? And if so, how do you react? Delete it? You As do- in the po- their the comment. You
0: just delete it. I don't care. Yeah. Like for me, like it's, I, this random person messaging me is irrelevant to me right? it's, it's not affecting my happiness it's not affecting my day I don't know who they are the mm. fact they've got time to do that makes it feel a little bit sad for them yeah uh, and you're, you're always going to have people that want to disagree and what social media has done is the equivalent of when road rage like if you were in a car and someone barges into you you might stick the finger up at them and shout at them and swear at them but if someone did that on the street and just walked in front of you, you would not shout at them and sit your finger <laughs> up in them and swear at them. But everything's now at like really high speed and very anonymous. Mm. And I think that's kind of what social media's done, is people are more willing because there is zero consequence. Everything's very quick and reactive. It takes them a second to type something. People are just throwing rubbish out there. Mm. And people, some people have some satisfaction in that. And for, instead of trying to change the world around them, it's far easier to just complain about things that aren't going right. For them, or think they disagree with, mm. so my view is just delete it. Okay. It, it, it was just delete it. Like, okay. And like, yeah. I, I, had a thing where I did a TV show for Channel Five. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, Go on. You did not see that? <laughs> TV show? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I did a TV show Channel. I took get into it now. So they wanted to do like hot yoga. They wanted it to be like slow TV, like film a whole hour like class and make it look beautiful, like that to- uh, chef's table thing on Netflix. Yeah. and it came out like about a year ago uh, and I was like look I don't teach hot yoga particularly I don't need to be a hot class like, and I don't need to be like over or anything but I will do it and I will advise you and some teachers and we kind of put it together and like the day before that you like, so are you okay to take your top off I was like no that's not my vibe they're like well it's a vibe we're going for I was like well it's not the vibe I'm going for and you're paying me not a lot so take it or leave it <laughs> <laughs> and I got there and all the people legitimately as in the other at my students were teachers. Like, respect teachers I respect. We're all, though, with good bodies. Uh, and, like, you know, they bought with the boys were topless. The girls were, like, you know, like sexy tops and stuff. Uh, you know, different backgrounds, but all of them, or a lot of them had a kind of, like, model or TV background, but were legitimate yoga teachers. And to be fair, had the kind of body you would if you practised that style of yoga on a daily basis, which is what they did and kind of ate well. Like you, you wouldn't pick models per se they were just people that had the kind of body you would have for that but then this, so I just taught a normal class like an hour long class kind of pretty much what I teach slightly modified <laughs> it came out and what was it called <laughs> like hot yoga body and I was like oh oh oh, oh I could see where this is Whoops. gonna go and they hadn't told me that and then I was like I don't want to watch it where was I I was in Barbados at the time I was like don't want to watch it Thing I was like, Mom, Mom, can you, can you watch it please? <laughs> I don't want to watch it. And and they I did watch it in the end. And a little bit of it at least. And you know, they'd edited it, so my jokes were like, out of context. I was like, if you can't do this, you're clearly not spiritually pure. Oh no. And it was just like dry. And it just looked like I was legitimately saying. <laughs> and and like the sequence was a little bit that off, like they cut and chopped a little bit. But it's like fine. And of course I could quickly check Facebook and not against me, but like on these yoga groups, like Facebook groups, people saying, Oh, can you believe that it's horrific? They're not real yogis. And I was like, do I get involved? Like, no. And I think it puts people off yoga and just a really good example of people just being very angry for no reason. Yeah. And I stepped back and thought, you know what? I don't agree with the fact it was called hot body, hot yoga. And it was a bit sexualized. There was like beads of sweat dripping at some point, like off breasts. And I was a bit like, like no, like, we don't need to see that. But at the same time, these, who's to say they're not proper yogis? Yeah. These are people, all of which have practiced for more than seven years, have a pretty regular practice. I taught a normal class that I would normally teach. They did everything to various levels. Why, why, why can't that be something that people watch?
1: Mm.
0: Like they, they look, yes, they look good doing it. As it were, but why can't that be something religiously legitimately watch? Why can't it be actually that might think that actually that might get some people into yoga? Yeah. And actually, outside the yoga world, I got loads of really positive feedback. People are like, Oh wow, I didn't even know yoga was that. Like in Birmingham, at like the boxers, being like, Oh, I didn't even know yoga was that kind of hard. They just thought it was a town hall with your grandmas. I didn't know it, you know. I was you know, at one point teaching from Pinchamaya Asana and like talking to them. They're like, Oh, I didn't know it could be that athletic. Mm. so actually if what it needs is a show called Hot Body Hot Yoga to get some people into yoga wonderful and they go to a class and they start off doing the hot stuff and then maybe they go into other stuff that's absolutely fine by me Mm. but everyone wants to be so negative with things and bring it down and like what do they want? Do they want like a group of like on TV a few people that can't do yoga arsing around like throwing their arms in the air (laughs) doing everything (laughs) wrong like that's obviously an extreme but to have some people that are competent at something, doing something on TV, let's say, isn't a bad thing. I'm, kind of, I'm deviating a little bit now. But people, I think, are always going to have something to moan about. Mm-hmm. And my view is if far better than moaning about something is to make change, it's, okay, well, you, you put something out there. You film something.
1: Mm-hmm. You,
0: put, you, know, you put something out there, not on TV, but you, you do what you can to get more people involved. Mm-hmm. And I think people always want to look at the worst side of things. Like someone said to me once, oh, it's so impossible. We'll put on social media to find, uh, photos of people that aren't thin white girls doing yoga. I can't find any anywhere. So I went on Getty Images, the biggest stock image website in the world, and just typed in, like, yoga diverse. And like everything, every race, every gender, every age, Mm. within the first page no it's still a disproportionate amount of hot white females but a hell of a lot of other stuff as well and i said this to them that well no you had to type in diverse you shouldn't have to type in diverse so i just typed in yoga i was like okay but if i even if i type in yoga still on the second page there was lots of diversity Then mm-hmm. it was never enough it's that well no but that's an old white man I like, oh god mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was never perfect yeah. uh so i think that's not to say things shouldn't change things should change and we do we we should encourage more in that context diversity in yoga but i think people always want to look at a slightly angle towards a negative yeah. and i think that's just media's fault for
1: that yeah and our love of negative news and things going wrong
0: yeah
1: yeah, yeah and also the, i mean i've we, we get fed this information that we already read about. So we live in a bit of an echo chamber ourselves. Mm. So that's why I like podcasting, but I've got know how many hours of podcasts I've recorded. And I say one thing that is offensive and I get a, a quite a feral backlash, but yeah. I'm How gonna... many people, how many people follow your podcast? Loads. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. No, but like, no, no. Uh, how many, so it gets uh, um, just over a thousand listens, unique downloads a week.
0: Well, that's okay. That's a thousand people a week saying, I really like what you do. Cheers. And one saying, I really like what you do, but I'm going to be a little bit bitter anyway, but still following you and listening to it. Mm. So the stats are on your side. Yeah, true. Um, okay
1: good <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, that, yeah that is, you had 99.9 yeah. percent approval rating <laughs> yeah it's a win uh no I just, I just i think it's just it kind of it just first time experience that it kind of rocks you a little bit You're like oh yeah someone can call me that anyway um so do you do you out do you apart from photography do you outsource anything else or do you everything yourself
0: uh with photography i'm not really outsourcing in that i still have to be there but <laughs> like, um, time-wise, it's not. Well, Your body thing.
1: double No, but but time-wise. So someone else. <laughs> no, I, 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 everything is me. Everything, everything, yourself. everything is me. Uh Okay, so
0: my fiance is helping me do the retreat. Okay, so no, actually, a lot of the retreats I do with a company, mm. uh, which I, I work very closely with. I, I love it to bits and she's great. Uh, so she does a lot of the organising and logistics of the retreat. So I just turn up and teach and do with the promotion for it. So the organization, but these retreats are like amazing as well. They're yeah. not basic. It's not just like a retreat center. They're like complex things. Mm. Uh, and then Holly, my fiance is kind of leading on the coordination of
1: this Spain retreat we've got going on. Yeah. But
0: beyond yeah. that, everything is me. Like, I, I, I have an accountant.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually I want to speak to you about that. So that's another thing, but, um, no, cause my account, uh, I'm assuming he doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're sacked. <laughs> um, but um, I've just hosted my first... Well, I put tickets on sale last week for my first retreat Yeah. Um, on Friday and it, and it sold out on like within five days, which is great. Um, That's amazing. Well I've, done. I know. But quite, thank you. It's quite a small retreat. Like... Um, I decided to keep it to sixteen people instead of twenty, just because I want everyone to have a conflict. That's still a good size. That's not small as far as retreats go. Okay, cool. Well, that's great. I'm very happy about that. But I've real—I've actually realised that, re- re- you know, um, retreats is something I—I I think I'd really love to do because ever since I was a kid. Have you done one yet? Oh, <laughs> no, not yet. Maybe I'll—I'll I'll rethink this in six yeah. months. But um, no, but I think in theory I would love to do it, and that's an avenue to go down. Um, so what is there? No, no, retreats are wonderful. Like, <laughs> what, like, what do I need to know? No, you go to wonderful places, but it's
0: a lot of work. Like, you know, a typical day as a yoga teacher on a retreat, number one, often you're teaching different classes. Okay, like in London, I'll teach a class all week. So plan one class. On a retreat, I might teach 16 different classes. Mm-hmm. Each kind of unique to a degree. Depends on how you want to teach it. But like you kind of wake up, you host people and greet people, you teach yoga, you have breakfast you'll be so shit at breakfast and a breakfast then lasts far longer than it would in real life.
1: And you're like an hour,
0: an hour breakfast, like chatting into people, etc. Actually talking to people. Yeah. Then maybe you're doing something like just talking one-on-one with people. Then you've got maybe a little bit of admin to do for the next class. Then suddenly before you know it, it's lunch and you've got the same thing going on. Then before you know it, it's time for the next class, two and a half hours, maybe two hours. Then it's dinner. Then of course, then you're kind of like, you're tired then. Some dinners done, especially in like a hot climate. Especially, you're kind of done and ready for bed, and then it all kind of kicks off. That's That's not to say it's not amazing. Like I do love teaching retreats, and it's you know it's wonderful to get make money sitting in the teaching yoga in like the Sri Lankan jungle. Mm. Uh, that is very wonderful, but they're more work than one might think. If you want them to be good, if you want like, students to have a good experience, mm. they're you know, a fair bit of work. I
1: believe you earn your money. I know you've done some at Holly, but can you do? Have you done someone just you? On your own, you're the only you're the only host.
0: Oh, no, no, I haven't done any with Holly.
1: Oh, you're doing one with Holly. Um, too. So the, all the retreats I've done so far are me, except uh, Italy, which I do with a teacher called Emma Henry. So, so you when you're hosting retreats, you, just being you, you're the yeah, only teacher. Normally, it's just me. Right. Okay. So I've done. God knows how many retreats. Probably ten at least. Someone advised me like a year ago. that never do a retreat on your own because you need someone else there to help you to support you.
0: no, like, logistically. I would never do it where I was like cooking the food and stuff like,
1: <laughs> like, so when I
0: do retreats with this company called Reclaim Yourself Jewel, Jewel what she's called is there like managing people and staff and I'm just being around the yoga teacher like teaching yoga and being a good host okay. i like, a joint host but she's doing all the, all the work behind it mm-hmm. in, in the one I do in Spain I make sure I do make it a cheaper one because I think it's nice to offer something cheaper uh as part of, my, like kind of what, I, what I offer, but I try and make sure I always do it in a proper retreat centre where there is like a receptionist, a kitchen team, an office. It's like if you want anything, go to them. Mm-hmm. Not I, I'll teach you <laughs> yoga. I mean, nice, I I I don't want to know about your room. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but, but, but that,
0: that's that's why it's cheaper. That's why it's slightly cheaper than the other ones where it's almost like a concierge. On this kind of retreat, it's you're it's kind of like almost like a bed and breakfast. But every, not better, but three meals a day, like a hotel, but where you're coming to see me for yoga. Mm. It's that more that kind of model. I think doing one where you're
1: managing everything and the rooms could be quite a lot of work. Mm. You know so that. It, is that is that? Do you see yourself then, like in five ten years time, having a retreat center somewhere and that being your main source of income?
0: Uh, where do I see myself in a few years? Like I live, so I live in London at the moment uh, because I teach so many classes all over, all hours of the day. I live. I live in London. Generally speaking, I leave my house early, get back late because it's a little bit too far to kind of bother to be going backwards. And And I teach so much. It just doesn't make sense. And my classes are just spread. And I live in like a nice flat in a nice area of London with Holly. We're getting married this year. Uh, I'm working a lot at the moment, which works well for us because she's a yoga teacher and does sound healing. But we kind of see each other in a weird times. Like we see each other in the daytime, we see each other in the evening. We're like, do random things together. And it, that kind of works well. But, you know, ultimately I would like kids at some point. And my plan would be to not be teaching quite so much. Do what I need to do. But if I can migrate towards more teaching trainings and more teaching CPDs and workshops while still maintaining classes, that would be great for me. And if I could do that out of... Le- London is wonderful, but it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how much I'd like to bring kids up in London. I don't think I want to be there forever. I'd like, to, I still want to be involved in it in some way, as in met, like going in once a week perhaps or, or twice a week. But I, I, I you know, I, I'm not the kind of teacher that wants to be on the road. Mm-hmm. That doesn't appeal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like just constantly travelling doesn't appeal to me. Mm-hmm. But coming backwards and forwards is fine. Mm-hmm. So maybe like living out of London, in the country-ish, with a dog and kids. Mm-hmm. Teaching, but maybe actually... If finance is allowed, having something that could resemble a retreat centre to make money on that side, and also I could do trainings from it, And it'd just
1: be your, yeah, apparently there, that'd be... Yeah,
0: I'm always tempted. Like, I see, like, I I own my flat in London, and I always see, like, in this magazine, it's called The Week. I recommend it. It means you can stop reading all constant news stuff constantly and just have one magazine a week that's succinct and non-biased. It's amazing. I love it. But anyway, I read this w- the week, each week, and they have like a little section on properties. And they'll be like, these are grade two listed buildings across the UK. And every every week is a random uh, theme. And like I saw one this week, like next to a lock in Scotland, <laughs> which is like five bedroom without building, next to the lake, room for hunting, like as much as my flat. <laughs> and I was just tempted, can I just, can I just go? I just <laughs> <laughs> it, on, the, on the tip of my tongue. Like, oh, just, just leave London. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it will happen at some point, I'm sure. But London will always be part of my life,
1: mm-hmm. and it is you know for the near future um, in London. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Why um, right, should we open up to the floor? Oh, go on. Then. Yeah. I'm wondering, should I grab the mic and go around to people? You're gonna, you gonna? have a question? Or well, you could repeat the question. Yes, I'll do that okay. because I might trip over people. Um, who has a question? Put your hand up.
0: So how do you balance um, like when you're traveling and teaching your own self-practice? Uh, and when do you do that?
1: I don't actually do yoga. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Sorry.
0: Yeah. The, que- the question there, So the question was how do I, when I'm traveling so much, how do I actually, how do I do self-practice? How do I balance it? My practice changed a lot. I used to be very much into like the big poses, the big dramatic poses. I don't really care about them anymore. Like they don't do anything for me. I find Warrior 2, and it, I talked about this this weekend, like the nuances of things like Warrior 2 far more interesting than me sticking my leg behind my head. And due to years of focusing on flexibility, I start to notice lots of instability. So now, actually, instead of going to yoga classes, I like lift weights twice a week. Uh, that's perfect. So when I do my asana practice, it's often quite simple it's just squeezing in, in between classes uh, where I can. Maybe if you can squeeze in at home in the morning. It's not regular. It's not like I get up at five o'clock and I have my asana practice. It's just squeezing in what I can. And sometimes it's very functional. Sometimes it's just like, I've been sitting on a plane. I just need 10 minutes just to get into my body. And that's sometimes all it is. It doesn't emulate a class. It's just 10 minutes of like three poses getting into my body, plus some meditation. Uh, that's all it is sometimes. Sometimes it's a little bit more complete. And I'll be like, actually, I want to do some handstands today. That's, that's rare. But <laughs> sometimes... <laughs> That's what I would do. Uh, and I'm pretty lucky that I'm kind of, I can still do a lot of the impressive stuff when I need to. <laughs> for now. For, <laughs> now. <laughs> for now, that might go. But for now, I can still do the quirky stuff. But I don't care about it and I don't practice it. Uh, Make sense? That's awesome. Yeah, Thanks. Great. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Who's next? Uh, for a newly qualified teacher starting out, uh, what's the one piece of advice you wish you'd gotten when you were starting out?
0: So right, that the question was, Oh, I you think. go, you know, you do it, you do it. <laughs> for,
1: <laughs> I should, should I as the host for a newly qualified teacher starting out? What's the one piece of advice you wish you had when you started? Oh, do you know what? See, it's, it's
0: odd for me because I never intended to be a full-time teacher. And I think a lot of people now are doing trainings with this intention of career change. Not all, but with the intention of career change. And I don't think that's the best way to go into it. Because then I think you force it. I think when you do a teacher training, You've actually got no idea if you even like teaching yoga. You've got no idea if you even <laughs> like teaching. I didn't think I'd enjoy it. You've equally got no idea if you'll be any good at it. And no matter how many trainings you've done, some people just won't be that good at teaching yoga. Well, teaching full stop. And some people will be amazing. It just depends on like so many variables. of personality type, your ability to kind of articulate yourself, to convey information, etc. And you ultimately don't know until you've done it a little bit. Uh, one thing... I, I don't think I, I actually I wish I'd heard anything, because everything happened for me luckily quite organically because I wasn't trying to force it. I wasn't trying to go anywhere or achieve anything. It just it just it developed. But one thing I did do that I think really helped me was teach a hell of a lot to begin with. I was quite lucky that I managed these buildings and so I had space. But there were some Saturdays where for free. This is during my training. I would teach like five classes to mates. I put it on Facebook, who wants a class, and people at one o'clock. Like, oh, I can't do one, but I can do two. So I teach one at one o'clock and another one at two o'clock. Sometimes it'd be one person. Uh, and that allowed me to initially find my voice, as it were, and work out like if I even like teaching, am I good at it, getting comfortable with it. And then I continued that once qualified, but with that five, uh, four pound classes. And I did loads. And then every class that came, I just took it even though I was working like a ridiculous, I was very single at uh, this period of time. <laughs> I was working, cause I was working this like full-time job, like managing all these, practices. we're often getting in at like seven o'clock, leaving at like seven o'clock. Uh, boxing, which I used to be a boxer, like that just fell off the radar completely, you had to, and just kept teaching classes like every night and every morning. Uh, and it just allowed me to work out, num- number one build skill, because you can only get good at something practicing. And I think a lot of people think You'll become a good teacher by doing loads of trainings. No, you'll be, you'll become a good teacher by, it's almost kind of, it's like a sense of arrogance. I think sometimes If people do a 200 hour, then it almost immediately a 300 hour. Like, do you really think after your four weeks doing that 200 hour, you've processed the information, really absorbed it, had a chance to apply all of that skill. I don't think you should do like a, a, another training, like an advanced training for at least like 1,000, 2,000 hours of, of actually teaching generally speaking so I would say as, as advice is teach and see if you like it teach as much as you can and see if you like it and see if you're actually good at it because you need something to make you stand out now as well when you know the, everyone every other person has got a yoga t- teaching qualification because uh, it's so easy to come by actually it's often here's two and a half grand if you can breathe for three weeks you've got you've got a certificate it's <laughs> like no test it's just if you can just sit here you're good you're a yoga teacher, uh, not being exaggerating slightly, but I'm actually not far off. Some trainings are amazing. Like some trainings are like two years where you constantly get tested, but some are almost just transactional. You're paying for a certificate. Uh, so I think it's just a case of working out if you are good and if you're competent and if people like you and if you like it. Okay. Good
1: question. Yeah, who's next? Yes. Sarah. Sorry.
0: Uh, do you feel any pressure to, like, add elements
1: of philosophy into your own classes? Oh, wow. The question was, do you feel pressure to add elements of philosophy into your own class? Pressure's the wrong
0: word. I don't really feel pressure to do anything, <laughs> uh, to, to, be, to be honest. Uh, so pressure's not the, I think the right word for me. Do I feel that like I should add philosophy? I think I do, but not in a very overt way. Uh Sometimes it's, it's from yoga tradition. Sometimes it's from like Hellenistic tradition. Sometimes it's, in fact, a lot of the time it's not overt. It's not saying, well, Seneca said this, or in the Rig Veda, this was referenced. It's more just concept. It's more just concept and ideas. And actually, by teaching that way, I don't really ostracize people. I'm just, you know, I'm not being preachy. I'm not saying this is the text, listen to it. I'm not risking putting people off. It's kind of subvert. And I think actually just by allowing people to be in their bodies and have a practice of self-inquiry for sixty, ninety 90 minutes, it does more than one might initially think if you facilitate it well. If you treat it like a group fitness class, then you won't do that for them. But if you actually allow people space to, to listen to the body and explore stuff and feel stuff and notice how their mind is reacting to that, uh, then I think people can get... A, a, a significant amount of from it without overtly, overtly teaching philosophy. But some teachers are really wonderful because they teach a lot of yoga philosophy and yoga tradition. Like the Mukti school are really good at that and they fit it into their classes really well. And that's kind of their bias. And I always say this, we live in a world now where there's not one teacher in the village. Like there are many teachers teaching different styles. I I recommend every student has like a teacher for different things like one teacher that focuses more on alignment, one teacher that if you want to flow more dynamically allows that, one teacher if you're into for the philosophy that actually facilitates that a little bit more, another teacher that teaches restorative, another teacher that does kirtan if that's your thing, having three or four teachers that offer you something different I think is really good, depending on your bias. Cool.
1: And you're next. Thanks. <laughs> sure. Uh, so I was wondering, so like when you deal with um,
0: Change and a thought process that you
1: have about uh, a pose or the way to approach it or yep. teach it. Um, how do you start to incorporate that into a class if you've taught it differently in the past? Uh, oh, so the oh. <laughs> go on, sorry. <laughs> Say <said> that again. <laughs> I feel like a translator, but I'm translating English to English. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it. Do you want me to do it? I'll do it. Do you mind? Yeah. yeah so, I, the, so that went one so over head. So the qure- so the. Qure- <laughs> The
0: question is, in a sense, that uh, my, as I've said, my understanding of yoga evolves based on the information provided to me. And that means that one year I might be teaching something in a different way to another year because I've changed my opinion on that. Uh, So what I would generally do is I would just just change it in my teaching. And if if a student says to me, but last year you said this, I would just normally say, no, I didn't. (laughs) 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 No, 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 no. Normally, normally kind of... I, I, would just, I, would, I think it's just being honest, just being like, actually, I've learnt more stuff. Actually, I've changed my mind on this. I've had some information presented to me or my teachers worked with a spinal surgeon this year. So actually, I've changed my mind and that's fine. I think that's a sign of a good teaching when you can be presented with new stuff and change your mind. That's a sign that you're actually trying to learn. It's dogma that kills us. When we do the same thing the same way forever, because that's the way the teacher said it, and then the story. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I'm not nervous when I say to teach, oh, that thing I taught last year. Yeah, I don't like it now. Because, <laughs> but, but normally it's because X, Y, Z, because of this, because of that. And any student of mine is normally like, oh, okay, fair, fair enough. <laughs> We'd probably come to the same conclusion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so there's no, there's no like insecurity in that. I think we should always be evolving. And I hope that I continue to teach things in different ways. Okay. Oh, follow-up, follow-up question coming, yeah. So I guess I'm wondering, like, do you, do you explain in class? Do you say sort of like, I've been teaching it this way, but I'm, I don't know. Okay, so the follow-up question is then, do I really explain my change? It depends, like, if you had students, you were, like, the only teacher in the village, and you had students who were just with you and only ever came to your class, then it's kind of like, oh, I have so many students from everywhere. Yes, some students have been with me for four, five, six, actually maybe even like longer than that, like many years. Uh, so normally there's not that conversation of, but you said this this year. Normally I just, in that moment, will explain why to do it that way. Some of them might say at the end, oh, that didn't seem to ring true. But very rarely will be there be an issue. It will just be, this is how I teach it. And in the way I teach yoga, I explain why a lot. And I often will do it at the start of class as well. Like, we're going to be doing this today because of this, and I want you to think about this. Uh, So normally the conversation is there, uh, pretty normally. Mm, Great. Uh,
1: John? Uh, What's been your uh,
0: lowest point? In life, or...?
1: She lowest point. Anyway, so I this, thought I went deep. So John, this question is. John, John, right at the back, in a very deep Scottish voice, says, What's been, I went to the impression, but what's been your lowest point? The lowest point in my yoga teaching. Lowest point in my practice career was this kind of a lighthearted one.
0: So I've got to do a few. So one was, the started light lighthearted was <laughs> when I bought some eggs. They smashed in my yoga bag, realised when I was about to, to get my kit out, and I was like, I want to practice yoga. I'm sure it'd be fine if I just put them in the sink. And then, like, it's the hot class. Like, <laughs> ten minutes in, I start... like <laughs> it's just this rancid smell of egg just, like, spreading around the room. And at that time, it sounds awful. Like, I was quite in shape. I was boxing. I was, like, like Every day, like I was very in shape, like kind of young, and like think I was good looking, <laughs> and so I think I like to sound like be like, oh, it's the person next to me,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> thinking they can't think it's me, <laughs> it must far be far too pretty. <laughs> I think that was probably my mindset, like a twenty-one-year-old idiot. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that so that was okay. That's a light-hearted one. Uh, in terms of low point, teaching. I guess like lowest point was when I had like some stuff maybe two years ago when I, at a point where so yoga became my like my whole financials. Like everything was now dependent on yoga and my ability to make money and pay rent was dependent on yoga. Like everything was. Uh, and I had, I'll get into it like I'm kind of over it as it were. In the space of like three months I got attacked from behind. So this was, when was this? This was, I do the timeline. So I think January, like the third, someone barged into me like I was like what are you doing lads carried on walking this is after class and they like attacked me from behind split my eye open but then I went into like boxing mode but then they kind of like scarpered so I was like emotionally fine it wasn't like I'd been violated but my eye split open then two days later my mate was like it's only not need stitches. two days later my mate was like he came to class like oh do you want, let's go for dinner I was like mate it's like nine o'clock I don't want to go for dinner I want to go home he had his motorbike was like, no, just jump on. I was like, let's, okay, let's just go around the corner. He's like, no, let's just jump on. He lasted about 10 seconds before we just, he just fell off, broke my foot, ripped the ligament. Like the, the ligament's still gone in my foot. So that, as a side point, that was quite a low point because I thought, like, like sitting in the hospital thinking, I'm fucked. Like, my mate has had a similar thing when he was much younger and his foot is like a slab of meat now. I was like, oh, God, I'm not going to be able to do, do yoga again. At all, and they were going to operate, which would have fused my bones together. Uh, that was a, and because of what I did as a job, they were like, "We're going to give you a chance." Like we've we've spent the whole no- we we consulted last night, in the morning in the hospital, like a group of like seven surgeons were consulting on it, and they're like, "You know, okay, we'll we'll give you a chance. We'll just kind of leave you to it." Uh, so that so, but I was still thinking, you know, I needed to heal. Like jumping back to Chaturanga was going to be like. How, like, it's it's called a Frank ligament. So even now, like, it hurts every day to some degree. But like, the, I I thought like, I'd never be able to do, like, a jump back to each other like, Anything with my toes curled under, I legitimately wouldn't be able. So w- anything with my toes curled, I wouldn't be able to do in theory. And luckily, I saw an amazing physio. And it's kind of, I and that's why I'm doing a lot of my strengthening work, so that my legs are really powerful, so that they take a lot of the load uh, now. And that'll be with me forever, and it'll probably get worse. But that was a, quite a low point thinking. Like, I will not be able to teach for jason yoga. Then after, in that same period, I'd just split up with my ex. She'd taken my dog. Uh, oh. <laughs> that was a hard one. Uh, well, she said she'd taken it, like, she didn't, like, steal it, but, like, she <laughs> took the dog. Uh, and But that was still in the process of, like, she, her coming back from Germany to get stuff, and that was still very live. Uh, dog, so the dog was upsetting because so I get very attached to things. Uh, dog, what else do have to related to the dog? So that's... And then I, I had a house in Primrose Hill. If you know London, it's a lovely area. I got persuaded to kind of rent that house out with the, girl, with the girlfriend. And suddenly I was paying for like a one and a half bedroom house in Primrose Hill myself. Thinking, I can't afford this. I need to find somewhere else. But I'm on crutches, So how do I find somewhere? So I found somewhere just a little bit cheaper around the corner because I couldn't do any viewings. Same point, my dad died at the same period. So I had like crutches in his funeral trying to go backwards and forwards in winter in london falling over it was all very at the same time yoga wise (laughs) i had to still teach classes so i need to make money i can't have all of this shit moving backwards and forwards and pay for this primrose hill house (laughs) without making some money and so thank god uber like so uber not like, not like, oh, they sponsored me. They didn't sponsor me. <laughs> <laughs> this
1: <laughs> podcast is brought to you by you know? Yeah, no. So
0: it just meant that I could, like luckily all the studios are amazing and they allowed me to teach. So about a month I was just teaching sitting down. All my classes, every studio was cool with it. Uh, so thank you to them for that. They were all like all very chilled out. But that was a new element, teaching sitting down. But having to like get an Uber, almost like in Shavasana sometimes, ordering my Uber while everyone is in Shavasana, to leg it out, to get in a taxi, to go straight to the next class, because public transport was just a no-go. So I still kept my reputation, and I still made some money, but spent a lot of money, most of my money on Ubers. So that was a very hard period, because I was fighting with, of course, bereavement and loss, etc. But the foot... Being messed up and thinking, and we are going to even do this again after this actually comes out of cast? And that's quite a long period. But and the pressure to keep teaching when yoga has become your 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 source of making money. So that was like there we go. There's a low point. (laughs) So like a lot happening in in that period. But I think that's what we always have to be mindful for, though, with this idea that yoga becomes our full time, because you can get quite. I think many people get really disenchanted with it. Because it becomes something very different for them. And and people like, lose their practice completely. And when I say lose practice, I don't mean the asana. I mean the actual practice of being a yogi. And I don't think being a yogi is just the whole mala beads, namaste stuff. And I think often people force being a yogi. Bunny rabbit ears again. Force being a yogi and try and become this caricature. And actually deep down are really actually quite sad not anything in like sad as in loser, but actually quite sad. But on the front of it, they're like pretending to have this lovely life on Instagram and doing the practice with their partner at home every day and jumping around <laughs> smiling and everything is positive and life isn't that uh, at all. So I think it's, we need to make sure we, we maintain our yoga practice despite stuff going on and through teaching, especially when it becomes our full time. That doesn't mean maintaining an asana practice. Although that's nice as well.
1: That's great. Mm-hmm. So we, go on Vicky. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I have one last one. Just back to that you do everything yourself.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
0: I do it. So the, que- the question is not finished. Carry on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> How do you time manage that? Like, do you set a time in a day for admin or is it just on the hop like every now and again when you get a few minutes to Cool. So, 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 so how, how, the, the, question, the question is how do you time manage do you do it on the hop whenever that means <laughs> <laughs> <Because> then, like, <laughs> on the fly yeah, like, <laughs> when
0: you're from no okay like, so, yeah. so in my diary main thing is classes mm-hmm. the classes are fixed I know when the classes are done unfortunately I then spend a lot of time on the tube the tube yeah. you can't work on like, unless you're on some really quiet line like, you're not going to get a seat mm-hmm. you're probably standing up and generally speaking even if you could get a seat you're only on there for like for 10 minutes anyway then a lot of the time then it's walking then to the next class or like, so actually, unfortunately, because of how much I teach, I, I, I very, do very little work while traveling Whereas some of my friends live outside of London will get a, like an hour long journey in where they do loads of work, do their classes, they get an hour long journey back. So I don't have that, unfortunately. So for me, it's just squeezing it in. Yeah. Often it's really actually inefficient. Okay. Like I, I'm training myself to, let's say, not try and do emails on the tube. Because I know that in the space of 25 minutes of tube traveling, I'll probably just send one bad email, mm-hmm. which if I was just sitting on my computer would have taken me one minute. Yeah. Uh, so actually, it's actually such a podcast. So I've, I've learned to realize or be better at realizing when I'm being inefficient mm-hmm. and just think, you know, I'm just going to, I'm not going to even try. I'm just going to like play chess on my phone or something. <laughs> uh, but then it's trying to squeeze it in. It's actually really hard because yeah. I have very few blocks of time in the week. Uh, So like Wednesday, I don't teach till 12.30. So Thursday's a biggie. I have between like half 10 and six o'clock off. They're really my only really big blocks of time. So if someone wants a meeting, Mm -hmm. that's got to go in one of those. Or It's something unusual. If someone wants a private, it's going to like, I don't do many privates. If it's an interesting private, I might have to squeeze it in there. So it's actually very hard. It's very hard. uh, But when I go home, I try and be present. Like I put my phone away. I have a second phone, that's kind of got an emergency number on, which I I I I try and use where possible. Which actually means that I've never actually used it to call anyone, but it's there just in case. So well, yeah, where I try really to put my phone away when I get in yeah. and just leave work. I just try and park it because I think that's really important. Yeah. Like, I really value my relationship, and I, for me, that's that's the important thing in my life, that the relationship and that like, the yoga is facilitating that. But that takes that takes precedence
1: nice cool shoe wrap anyone else got any questions awesome cool
0: Uh, thank you very much guys oh I can do promo now can't I oh yeah go on promo let's do promo stuff (laughs) All right. Uh, all I was going to say is uh, Instagram is Adam Hustler I've got lots of CPDs coming up this year all around Europe actually Vienna, Zurich Bulgaria we're planning and a few other ones they exist Uh, there's rumours about me doing a 200 hour training next year uh those rumours are true, uh, <laughs> but it's not released yet, and the details aren't confirmed. But that that's that's in the pipeline, uh, happening with some awesome people. But yeah, that's it. I think. Thank Brilliant. you so much, Guy. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks. Cheers. Of course, yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: thanks so much. Guy. Thank you, guys, for being here. Well, that was fun. That was a seriously good buzz. Although I was nervous. It was. Uh, I'm definitely going to do that again in fact I'm doing one might as well say it now since I haven't announced it officially I'm doing my next live podcast with Devin Kelly in Bali it will be middle of May uh, date TBC so if you happen to be out in Bali or you're listening from Bali uh, follow me on Instagram Kevin Ball Yoga or go to my website uh, under events and retreats and there'll be an update as to when and where that live podcast with Devin will be Otherwise, if you're in Dublin, come to my workshop in May in Yoga Hub, end of May uh, for handstanding. Yeah, and you don't need to be able to handstand to come. If you can handstand, you don't need to come to the workshop. <laughs> so people that keep asking me, do I need to handstand to come? No is the answer. Come along, check out my website, Yoga forward slash events and retreats. And you can fill in the little form there and I'll get in touch for you and we'll get you booked in before i let you go remember to go to om.com forward slash tylp for 15% off eco-friendly cool looking active men's clothing for fellas that like to do a little bit of yoga that's om.com forward slash hashtag tylp for 15% off using the promo code kevin thanks so much as always for listening have a powerful week and i'll catch up with you next week